Welcome to episode 85 of Shanlian on Batman. As you can see in the title, we have a special guest with us today, and that guest is Jason Inman. This was actually recorded a few weeks ago, but a great conversation that we had with Jason. You probably know him best from the show they do on YouTube, DC All Access. We talk about his career um, we even get into some fan casting later on. We talk about his life and what it's like to be a YouTuber. So without further ado, Jason Inman. One of the first questions we like to ask all of our guests is, what was your first interaction with Batman? Was it the 66 TV show, comics? Uh, what was it for you? I mean, to be honest with you, I think the first interaction with Batman I had was Batman 89 awesome it's the one that i can remember the most i got to see it in theaters uh which was great when i was a little kid um and then it directly led into me uh going into a comic book shop or no actually going to a walmart because that's where i had to get my comic books because comic book shops didn't exist where i was and buy a copy of batman 466 which has batman tied to the bottom of the rocket and that was the first comic book i ever bought wow you actually some say you could be Superman. You were born on a farm in Kansas. What was that like as a kid reaching out and trying to get into the superhero slash comic book world? Well, there was no reaching out. It was I had to do everything, basically. So it was buying comic books from pawn shops and garage sales and gas stations. I bought like the death of Superman graphic novel in a gas station. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the gas station, but it was there. And uh, uh, fun story. I actually just had Dan Jurgens recently autograph it for me and it's wow. all tattered. And I read it so many times and he's just like, Oh, you read this a lot of times. And I was like, Oh hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, a big deal that I used to do is I used to subscribe a lot to comic books. Like when you yeah. could used to be able to do that because it was basically uh, the only way I could do it. Um, and I remember a big one that really got me on board with that was Grant Morrison's JLA. Ooh, nice. I saw like the advertisements for that and I was like, I got to send off with this. And I remember at the time it was like $16, I think, for like 12 issues. Now, th th that may sound sound like a great idea. You're like, oh man, these comics are going to come straight to my mailbox. And as a kid, I was like, this is great. I don't have to worry about like missing any issues or anything like that. But the postman would fold them in half and like cram them into the mailbox. So like, and they would always come late. So like, and sometimes I would miss issues, even getting Whoa. it in the post office. But, you know, so I would, I was, I was one of those kids that like, even I got the mail subscription, I would always call the number. They always gave you a number and I would complain like crazy because if you did that, they just send you like three random comic books or they'd extend your subscription. Nice. <laughs> like, ah, oh, that Jason kid's calling again. Just give him something. <laughs> I'll leave us alone. <laughs> well, if they would have sent me my comic books on time. I would have, I would have <laughs> left them alone. Right. Sometimes so, the postman would like rip them in half. I'd be like, oh, "What the hell happened that's here, man?" The worst. A postman would rip your comics in half. Or I don't know if like it was like somewhere in transit, 
like it would happen but i remember one time like getting an issue of jla that was like sort of ripped in half and i was like well i still read it but i was like this is basically like why would i keep this that's heartbreaking <laughs> the u.s government was trying to send you a message <laughs> <laughs> You talked about Batman 89. Now, did you, were you a follower of the animated series show as well? You know, the Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, Mark Hamill, Kevin Conroy show when you were a kid? I was. My problem was is I didn't get to see all of them, really. I really actually didn't get to see all of Batman the animated series until I got into college, actually, because they, I, I come from such a small, very rural area that we didn't even have a Fox affiliate. Oh, wow. So... I would only see those cartoons if, um, you know, like if I was over at a friend's house or something like that. That's why, like, Batman Mask of the Phantasm means a lot to me because that was the movie that they released in theaters and that was the movie that they put on tape. That's the Batman the Animated Series that I got to see more than anything else. So that's what that movie has, like, always resonated with me. And then I got to pick up the rest of it later. We just talked with Paul Dini not that long ago, and he actually like, postponed on us because he went to the theater to go watch Mask of the Phantasm. We were yeah. like, you're so lucky. Go see it. I, I got to see it last year in theaters for the very first <sighs> time. And I'll tell you what, man. It is so it is so good. It's awesome. That's so cool that they're doing that because like, I know Justin and Kyle got to see 89 Batman in the theater just a few months ago. It's right. like it's cool they're recirculating these movies and... Like you're able to go see him on the big screen again. So, so hopefully the anime, the Mask of the Phantasm, Return of the Joker will get that you know big screen adaptation in our area. Oh man, I would love. Uh, I, I I I love Batman Beyond as well. So the Return of the Joker oh. is just just as cool to me. Definitely. Um. So, how did you? I, I'm dying to know. How did you end up working with? Rhett and Link and being part of Good Mythical Morning? Um, I would end up working for Rhett and Link because I, I actually had time. I had a good friend of mine who was uh, their manager, their YouTube manager. So okay. um, he, wor he worked for the company that like managed their YouTube channel and helped them out and did stuff like that. And uh, they were looking for a production assistant and uh, somebody just to help them out. And I, you know, my friend reached out. I went and did an interview, and then they they liked me enough to hire me. And initially, I only worked for them for like three days a week, and it was just doing random videos. Like I helped them make uh, hair goes up, hair goes down. Yeah. Um. I, I helped them on. I think it was caption fail two. There's the caption fail video where it's uh there. Uh, there's a there's a guy being uh, Rhett's the guy in the red Corvette, and he gets pulled over by Link as the bicycle cop. Yeah. That was my very first Rhett and Link video. Like I, that was like the very first thing I did for them. And then um, I, I uh, uh, came back. We had a Christmas break. I came back, and they were like, "Oh, we think we want to do this weekly show for like six weeks." And uh, at the time, I was like, "Okay, cool. Um, that sounds great." And we we shot it. Like we we started shooting it, and I quickly found out that it took me way more than three days to do it. Was that the mythical show? No, it was Good Mythical Morning. Oh, like, okay, that was one. okay. Mythical Show came later, like after like three years, uh, right? For a while, right? Um, so we did that, and they were they at the time were like talking about this is not going to last. Like I'm not, we're not going to do this, you know, further than 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 what we want. Uh, like we're only going to do this for six weeks. We don't know if we really want to do a show like this. And uh, over the six weeks, like I 
slowly was like, no, I think you should. I think this is a great idea. I think you should keep this going. Uh, partly because I thought it was a great show, and also partly because I wanted to make sure that I was full, uh, fully employed full time. <laughs> Naturally. You know. Uh, um, and then it just, um, so it was me, Rhett, and Link in a small garage, like behind Rhett's house. Yeah. Um, and it was like that for two years. And then eventually uh, they got some uh, help from YouTube to make the mythical show. We moved into a new building. They started doing other stuff like that. And then um, I decided that I was like, you know, I, I think I, I, it's time for me to move on for Good Mythical Morning. I, I, I think I've mythicaled all the mornings I can. And uh, I'm ready to try something different. That's awesome, man. I've been a fan of that show for a lot, like Good Morning Chia Lincoln days. So, Well, then you have seen my hands so many times. I've heard my seen... voice so many times off camera. It's crazy. Yes, I have, for sure. <laughs> when I like started doing a little bit more research, I was like, that's right! Because I, I totally had forgotten. And it's cool. I'm glad I got to ask you about that, man. So, after the Rhett and Link Good Mythical Morning, you end up where probably most of our fans know you from now, which is DC All Access. How, right. did, how did you get into that position? Well, at the time, I'd been doing all these videos on my YouTube channel, like every single week reviewing all, every single comic, because I was like, oh, that's a good idea. What they don't tell you when you do that is that you got to read a lot of comics, my friends. And <laughs> dear God, there's a lot of comics. Yeah. Um, but I did that straight for like a year and a half. And then DC um, had opened it up to fans. They were just like, we're looking for anybody. Like, submit a video and let's do this. And so I submitted a video. Uh, and I told them about my Kyle Rayner collection. Um, I told them about me collecting all this interesting stuff. And I was like, hey, and I live in Los Angeles, so I don't have to drive very far. And they luckily called me in for an interview. Uh, my very first episode, they made me dress in a toga. And I went home from that, from that episode. I guess hosted an episode. And I was like, man, there's no way I got this job. Like, no way. Like, they were just like, let's give the goofy guy that we're not going to give this job. Let's make him do this. <laughs> and uh, luckily, I got a call on, like, Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve being like, hey, we want to hire you. And I, and uh, it was kismet ever since then. So, like, you know, entering that thing or applying for that job that, you know, people were like, well, I don't know if I should ever do that. There's only a one in a million chance. I would say do it because it worked for me. Which is great because now we get to see you on DCL access and you are like, you know, in the, the, on Twitter, on the Twitterverse, like you are like the face of DC. You know, there's Jeff Johns and Dan DiDio and Zack Snyder and all these other people, but you are the face of it. You're the one, you're like the cheerleader of all these amazing things. Uh, so when you get to that, like interview, like Dan DiDio or, you know, Scott Snyder is the, like the kid inside you just like jumping for joy every time you get to like shake their hand or just, you know, pick their brains of the, the various comic book knowledge that they have or the stories they're about to write. It, it is, it is a dream fans job. It really is. Um, and since I'm a big fan of all these guys before I ever like got to work with them. Uh, yeah. And it, and to be honest with you, that has gotten, uh, uh, a little bit less and less with every year I've done it. Oh, simply for the fact that like, now I know these men and they're not like, you know, these mythical figures to me, they're friends. Um, you know, like I'm, you know, like, uh, I can email Scott Snyder like tonight if I wanted to. And then Dan, the and I have Facebook friends, you know, it's like, so it's like, Oh, that's really cool. But I will say like, when your job is to talk comics with the men who create and women who create great comics, is it really a job? I don't think so. 
Um, and if you saw the recent video, like we did a video this week, I got to talk with Dan DeDio about the Commandy Challenge. I love talking to Dan DeDio every single time because he is just a wealth of knowledge. Like he knows everything. He knows every single comic book. Like we were talking about Commandy Challenge, and I shared this picture on uh, on, on Instagram where I, I said that Dan DeDio gave me a free comic book because yes. I interviewed him. Um, and it was this, like, the Jim Aparo, like, uh, 1970s Brave and the Bold. And the reason why I shared that picture is because we were in the middle of talking about the Commandy Challenge, and somehow we started talking about Jim Aparo and something he had done with Commandy, and then we got to Brave and the Bold, and then I said, like, oh, Brave and the Bold is a great title about Batman, and then and then Dan DeDio, in the middle of the interview, was just, like, telling me about Batman, Brave and the Bold, and I was like, I never read that one, I never read that one, and he was like, here, it's right here, have it! <laughs> And you're just like, wow! I'm not gonna say no, <laughs> right? <laughs> Definitely not. Um, but yeah, it's a it, it is it's a great job. Like it's a really really cool job. And again, it's one of these things that um, now that I, this is like I'm entering my third year doing it, it's it's really cool because now now I feel like I can get more out of the creators because they know who I am now. Whereas yeah. like you know like first showing up they're just like who is this guy? I don't I don't know if I can tell him anything. And now it's like oh this is Jason. I trust this guy. You've been working for three years at where you're at now. Does your basic crew, like people that have been around for the full three years, you guys have like a working relationship to where you work together with everything, with like the writing and shooting, or is it more like a they give you the script and that's what you're going to do and stand here? Like, How does that day-to-day -day work out for you guys? Well, first of all, the the, the crew um, is basically the same. Like we have some great people. Like we have uh, a director, Brett Redster, is amazing. And then we have our cameraman, Matty Ryan, and then we have our sound guy, Ryan Kaiser, and they've been there since I've been there. They, in fact, they've been there since before I was there. And then there's a bunch of other people that we have. But I would say on set, it's probably 15 people. Um, now we we do have a script. We do uh, uh, because you know we you plan ahead. Like you know, a Batman book's coming out next week. You want to talk about a Batman book, um, so they give us the script. But I will say that in the actual videos, when Tiffany and I are talking, we are allowed to say it however we want to say it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's you know it's it's one of those ideas that, and I'm, I'm sure you see this all the time, where it's like. You know, a big company comes to you and they're like, hey, we want you to sell the Wonder Woman movie. And 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 we don't care how you say it as long as you just as long as you basically hit that, like, hey, the Wonder Woman movie's coming out in May. You know, so it's kind of that same basic idea where it's like, OK, you have an interview with Scott Snyder. He's got an issue of All Star Batman that's coming out next week. As long as you say you're interviewing Scott Snyder and there's an issue of All Star Batman coming out next week, however you want to phrase that is up to you. OK. Um, and then anytime I'm able to do an interview, I'm able um, to ask them anything I want. Um, and it's funny because they give me, they're like, these are the questions you think you should ask. Um, or these are the questions that the person has requested. Because sometimes we have writers in their books and they're like, well, I really want to promote that this twist is coming. So can we ask about that? And we're like, oh, yeah, surely, totally. Um, but it's interesting because like, I always find that from the conversations with these people that I – always think of questions on the spot. And the interesting thing about it is the, it's up to the editor. Uh, we have some couple great editors on the show that they get to choose like what parts they use. And I find very funny, I find most of the time that they tend to use the questions that I come up with on the spot. I don't know whether that's like because of conversation or just more, you know, being more real, but that's, that's, that, that, that's basically how it works. 
I feel like that's the same with our show, too. The best questions that we end up asking are ones that we didn't have to do any research for. It just came from a natural conversation thing. Like, especially, like, you're, you're in the room with the people that you, you interview, so you get to read body language and everything else, and it just makes for a more wholesome conversation that way. Yeah, we're always yeah. writing, jotting down notes. Hey, remember this? Or we'll be writing questions on the fly. Let's let's try to, like, turn this question over here and ask that so it's we're we're the same way trying to always trying to make the conversation you know just as interesting for the guests as it is for our fans it just gets better that way right yeah absolutely exactly. let's get into like some more like detailed batman stuff so obviously okay, we've sure. had a bunch of batman in films you know michael keaton adam west bell kilmer george clooney christian bale ben affleck can you say which is your, you know, personal favorite of those on screen? Oh, see, I feel that's a that's a tough question. That's always it's a very Isn't tough it? question, and uh, it's one I get a lot actually. Um, I really, really, really like Christian Bale a lot. I think that he plays an amazing Bruce Wayne. Um, I like his Batman more in Batman Begins than I do where it goes later. Um, because I feel that's more closer to Batman. Uh, but I think his Bruce Wayne like cannot be beat. I, I think the tortured way he plays it, and then the the I always love that line in Batman Begins where he walks out of the party. He's like, "Thanks for coming, drinking my booze." I just love <laughs> I love that line. I'm just like, "Oh, that's swarmy like fake act Bruce Wayne that we've been reading in comic books for years." Now I will say this, and I I can't make a judgment on it because we've only seen him in one movie. I think Ben Affleck as Batman was pretty spectacular definitely, and very like he did a really great job of playing like Bruce Wayne. And I loved his Batman as well. Like the comp, the costume looks dead out of the comic books. I like the way his, his voice sounded. Um, if, if he's as strong in justice league as he was in Batman v Superman, like I might be willing to flip my answer, but I don't think I can make that judgment call off of one movie. Very cool. That's he's that Affleck's Batman with the fighting style and the suit. It really has me going for that's my definitive Batman right now. It, like you said, it's been one. We've only seen him in one film. Yeah, I'm really, really excited to see Justice League and the upcoming the Batman if and when it happens. So it's going to be great. And who doesn't love bearded Bruce Wayne? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The King's Tide. Yeah, or whatever he says in the Just League trailer. <laughs> the King Tide, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to kill it. Oh, yeah, for I sure. Do too. So I think we're all in agreement that the more recent interpretations of the character have been great. But I want to hear your opinion on like some of the classics, like uh, Michael Keaton's or... Val Kilmer's like what do you think of those performances? Do you think they still hold up to this day? I think Val Kilmer does. I do yes. because if you notice, it's an interesting thing, and I'm a big defender of Val Kilmer's Batman, and the reason why is because I watched those four Batman movies, probably like you guys did, over and over and over, because that was the only Batman movies we had, right? Right. Yep. yep. So yeah, so you were like, well, this is all I got unless I want to watch Adam West. And I'm not knocking Adam West at all. I like Adam West as well. But you were like, this is as close to the comic books as we'll ever see. And then Batman Begins came along and slapped us, slapped us side, side oh. the face. <laughs> Val Kilmer to me, I, I will give a lot of credit to Val Kilmer because 
he was the first one to put a duality on it. He was the first actor, live action actor, to play Batman differently than Bruce Wayne. Because Michael Keaton, when he like, and I and I love Batman '89. I I I, I really do. Um, and I think he, I think he's really strong, and the costume is great. I think Michael Keaton's a better Bruce Wayne than he is a Batman because. When he's Batman, he still talks like Michael Keaton. He doesn't change his voice at all. <laughs> and you're and, and like anybody, like I even think I'm like, man, I would have figured out who he was like in five minutes. I'd have been like, oh, you're Bruce Wayne because you don't change your voice at all. <laughs> <laughs> but Val Kilmer, his Batman voice is not great. I will give you that. But he changes his voice slightly and he changes the way he acts as batman than he does as val kilmer or does he val kilmer as he does as bruce wayne um so like i give him a lot of credit michael keaton i think was an interesting choice i don't know man because like it's so funny because when i was a a kid a little kid i i liked the batman 89 movie just fine i never was on board with michael keaton because i always thought it was weird that he grabs this poker in front of the joker smashes a vase and goes you want to get nuts let's get nuts and i'm like that's not batman um, but I remember seeing a movie in the nineties and I saw this actor in this movie and I was like, Oh my God, that's Batman. That's Batman right there. And it's too bad that it's a very terrible movie, but Alec Baldwin in the shadow. Ooh. Yeah. Nineties Alec Baldwin, man, would have made a badass nineties Batman. Oh yeah. It's funny that you bring up Batman forever because we've recently kind of like revisited all those films and did like commentary tracks but of the four, that one has to be the strong, like, say what you will about the ending of that film, but that's the one at the core that's really trying to tell a story of the duality of Bruce Wayne and how he has to kind of deal with, you know, being Bruce Wayne and Batman and how his relationship with Alfred and Chase Meridian. Now he's got this, uh, you know, this younger, younger ward, you know, Dick Grayson, like, that movie doesn't get the credit that we think that it deserves, and it's very strange because everyone, when you think of those first early films, it's, you know, Tim Burton's Batman and Batman Returns, but be, I, we feel it's been unfairly lumped together with Batman and Robin, say what you will about that film, but Batman Forever, for us, has, has to be the strongest, you know, of, the, of those movies. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I actually, I 100% agree with you. I do think that Batman Forever is the strongest of the four. I, I really, really do. And it, you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't get, it doesn't get the, the credit that it, that it totally deserves. Did you ever get a chance to check? It's like, I think I've seen it online or something. It's called like the Red Book, like edition of the film where it has like all these deleted scenes and they kind of like edit that, like a special ultimate edition of Batman Forever. If you have not, I highly recommend you to check that out. It's amazing. I have not seen that, but I've heard of it. I, ha I have heard of it. And it's so funny because I had the direct... Um, no, I, I had the like DC Comics adaptation of Batman Forever, and it did have some of those scenes. And I remember when I first saw the movie, I was like, what's going on here? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. Let's talk about your podcast, uh, Geek History Lesson, right? Yes. So... Well, you give a rundown of what you guys do on Geek History Lesson. I think it's awesome. I haven't listened to all of them, but I have been going back and listening to more and more of them. As we get rougher and rougher as you go back into the past. <laughs> <laughs> I still love it. Um, so Geek History Lesson is this podcast that I do with my co-host Ashley Victoria Robinson. And we 
in one hour give you as much of the complete history of a character concept or conceit of pop culture like uh this week was kid flash wally west yep. we have done in the past assassin's creed we have done the jedi we have done superman in the golden age batman in the golden age and it's just this, this interesting way to take a fictional character and kind of treat them like real history like trying to like learn their lives and do the thing and we thought it was like the perfect way for people to digest some of these characters because you know there's all these characters in pop culture right now especially in live action and it's a great way to be like well i just want to i kind of want to you know know a little bit more about this guy yeah i think they're really great like you guys you guys work really well together you're funny and it's just like a straight hour of information about something you probably unless you're a huge fan you really don't know that much about you guys do a yeah. really great job now do you the guys best? sorry Go ahead. i was gonna ask now when you got when you're doing this are you writing down notes oh i want to talk about this or do you guys kind of since you guys already have that chemistry do you just kind of have that flow together we we have the flow because we we try we record it like um a real radio show we try not to edit it at all um there obviously are some edits in it but most episodes, I would say like 90% of the episodes have no edits. Like we just, we turn on the recorder, we record it, and what you hear is what you get. Now there's sometimes where um, Ashley has caught me in, in my research uh, with a, you know, like something wrong and I've caught her as well. And we stop the podcast and we double check and stuff like that because, you know, it's, it's uh, sometimes it, it's, it's hard. But like mostly, yeah, we have, whoever has the character for the week, like um, this week Ashley had Kid Flash. So she made up like this giant, like, you know, like 10 page outline. And she's like telling, taking me through his history with just like 10 page outline. And then when I feel like the need to interject, that's, that's basically the way it goes. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I really dug the Assassin's Creed episode. It was cool. Thank you. That took, that took a lot of work. <laughs> that, that, yeah. It's, it was, it was good. Um, one of the other projects that you have going on right now is your comic Jupiter jet. Let's talk about that. Yes. Well, Jupiter Jet is this five-issue miniseries about a 16-year-old girl who steals a jetpack um, that she finds in her dead father's workshop, and she decides to uh, rob from the rich and give to the poor and help protect her little brother and his kitty cat. And um, it is an all-ages comic book. It's set in 1935, uh, so it's a perfect melding of 1935 kind of mobster stuff and and rocketeer feeling adventures mixed with a heavy heavy sci-fi edge because jackie my main character who's also named jupiter jet finds a mysterious glowing green device and suddenly bad men with glowing eyes start chasing her and it's all about her figuring out that the world is not exactly what it seems and which is what most 16 year olds i believe go through when they're when they turn 16. So um, we put it up on Kickstarter. Uh, it is five issues, and we have um, we're looking for the production costs uh, to pay for the artist, the letterer, and the colorist. Because you want to make great comics that stand up to DC Comics and Marvel, you have to uh, make sure that your fellow collaborators are paid living wages. And as right. of this recording, we are funded, uh, but we're looking for a little bit more because right now we're pushing to our stretch goals to uh, maybe do a four-page backup in every issue of Jupiter Jet with a guy who has worked at DC Comics. And I can't reveal who he is because when we hit that stretch goal, that's when I'll reveal who he is. But uh, we can use your help. There's a lot of cool rewards and perks. And the great thing about donating to a Kickstarter that's already funded is that you're definitely going to get the book. 
Like you're going to yeah. get it. There's no question about it. Like it's just pre-ordering the book, which, Hey, why not pre-order yourself a book and get yourself. Uh, we have prints from wonder woman artist, Nicholas Scott. We have prints from nightwing writer, Tim Seeley. And we have like script reviews from Batwoman writer, Mark and Draco bizarre writer, Heath Corson. He has all worked on just league action. So like a lot of little cool stuff uh, like that. And we're also working on trading cards. Very Ooh, nice. trading cards. Now, obviously, you have an overall outline for where you want the, the, the book to, you know, the story where that goes. But when do you sit down with the artist and, like, this is how I think it should look? Or do you just kind of, like, let him go off and do his own thing? Because the artwork is incredible. It's, it's it's it takes me back to, like, a time of, like, those retro years, like the 1930s, 1940s. It has this very distinct look to it. Um, we let him go um, because... It is a weird, you know, it's, that's a perfect part of collaboration is to see like how he looks at it. Like, it's funny when we first started the book, uh, the image that's on top of our Kickstarter is one of the very first pictures that he ever drew of Jupiter Jet. And we just gave him a paragraph. Like, we're just like, she's 16. She's got red hair. She wears like a little cap with goggles. She's wearing her, her father's like aviator jacket. Um, and we were like, it'd be cool if like the jacket's purple and, you know, and we didn't give him any directions on like how the jetpack should look or anything like that. And he came back with that image and he was just like, wow. And that's just the perfect collaboration where it's like, okay, if we give him these certain words and we inspire him, he'll come back with that. Um, in fact, I don't think we gave him any notes on the design of Chuck, uh, her little brother. And he came back with that image that's on top of the Kickstarter. And uh, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing. So like, that's the perfect way because that way he gets he gets to stretch his muscles, and then I get to stretch my muscles. And in fact, like, there was um, there were these certain characters, these certain henchmen guys that uh, we wrote a passage about in the script, and he sent back the pictures of them. He was designing the pictures, and he he drew them as robots. And I at first was like, did he misread my script? Did he misread our script? Uh, uh, because I co-write Jupiter Jet with Ashley Robinson. And I was like, do you think he, did, did I write, did I not write this clear? Did he misunderstand me? And she was like, no, 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 no. He, she's like, I think she, I think he misunderstood you. But then we kept talking about it and we were like, you know what? That actually would be just cooler if they're robots. Let's just leave it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> no, so there you go. Like, it, it, that, that's one of the brilliant things about comic books is comic books, in in more mediums than anything else could be the perfect collaboration between two parties now is this the first time that you've got to work in the world of comics as far as creating them or have you always been like a like going back to a kid were you the kid that was writing your own comics and stories like that I've, I've always been writing stories, 100%. Um, and I've written a lot of things along the way. This is this is the first comic book mini-series that I've written because okay. I have written... Uh, I wrote a page in the Love is Love anthology that Mark and Draco did. I co-wrote a page last year. And then Ashley and I also co-wrote a six-page story that was in Alterna's If anthology about a superhero called Captain Terrific who knows that he's in a comic book. Um, so we've done that. But I've always, always had uh, uh, stories... Uh, like kind of in my head, and I have notebooks uh, for stuff. Like I have ideas for a Batman run. Um, I like I, I I have a big idea for a Batman run. I even I even have pages. I have notebooks that I've kept since I was like fifteen, where like I have ideas 
for a a forty issue Fantastic Four run. Ooh, so, wow! Yeah, this they're one of my thing, man. They're star, they're the Star Trek of Marvel Comics. I would love, I would kill to write them. But um, my dream, my dream gig would be to, and I don't care what that book it is or in what kind of form, would be to walk into a comic book shop and see my name on a Superman comic book. Well, I hope that happens, man. It sounds Me like... Me too? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got your foot in that DC world. I mean, you, that's got to be a step in the right direction for sure, I would imagine. But, I mean, that'd be great. Yeah. Now, we talked. You talked about how you love Batman Beyond. Um, as, you know, for us doing this you know, podcast, one thing that we've talked about at length is how there needs to be a Batman Beyond live-action film. Yes. Now, I agree. <laughs> You know, just even talk saying that, just kind of like the, the hair on my, you know, arms is like standing up. Just the thought of like having like an older Ben Affleck, you know, train a young, ter you know, Terry McGinnis, whoever that would be, would be amazing. What was it about that, you know, that animated show, animated series, and now, you know, comic, because now it's a part of the, the, you know, it's the part of the continuity of DC. What was it about that that really, that you really gravitated to? It's because he has an arc. That's why, because you can go look at Batman the Animated Series and you can look at Superman the Animated Series and they don't have arcs. They're very episodic. Like Justice, Justice League is where they start getting arcs, but I think they did that because of Batman Beyond. If you look at Terry in season one and then look at Terry in Return of the Joker, which I kind of see as the final episode of Batman Beyond, yeah. he's different. Like by the time he gets to Return of the Joker, like for me, he's like, 100% Batman doesn't really need Bruce. Yep. Um, and that's a quite of an amazing journey. Um, and also because I guess it was truly original. Because in some form, Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series and comic books, most comic books, are sort of just adaptations of stuff we read before. Like Superman has fought missiles that are like several times. Like Batman has fought the Joker several times. But like... We had never seen Terry McGinnis until that cartoon. So it was like very much like we don't know what's going to happen because this has never been done before. So like that really resonated with me. And I, I also think it resonated with me for the simple fact that I remember when they announced it, I was like, there's no way that works. And then I saw it and I was like, OK, that totally works. Right. And that's how we like when I, I remember like seeing the like commercial on. I believe at this point it was Kids WB. It was Bat Kids WB. Batman of the Future. I was like, oh, no. Well, just give me regular <laughs> right? Batman where he's fighting the Joker in Two-Face. I don't want to see Batman. What do you mean it's not Bruce Wayne? What do you mean it's this young kid? I was like, oh, man, this is. I'm going to give it one episode if it doesn't do And then it just became this holy other thing where it's almost, you kind of almost want to see where this you know, young kid grow goes and how he grows as a man and how he grows as Batman and how his relationship with Bruce grows and how his relationship with Dana. It's it's all these different things that you just don't know about because there's not much there. And that show really struck our generation big though too because that was that show came out and that was a time that we were like transitioning from like elementary school to like a middle school and like there was we had those like real kid problems that he was having on top of being Batman, like right. it yeah. was just great. And, and you know, it's interesting because you were like, you guys were saying that like you'd love to see um, uh, Ben Affleck like in that role as the old man. Yeah, I, I say go crazier. Let's ask Michael Keaton. Yes. Let's yes. ask you know. Let's ask George Clooney. That'd be like, good. Either 
or even Val Kilmer. Well, he had to lose some weight. But <laughs> I, I, I think Clooney or Keaton as Bruce Wayne would be a nice little wink to the audience. Yeah. And and he could play old Bruce Wayne. That'd be awesome. I have an even, even crazier idea. Mel Gibson. <laughs> could you, can, you wrap, <laughs> can you wrap your head around that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just, I want like, no Mel Gibson, but... I would love to see like Michael Keaton with like an old Ace the Bat Hound dog, just no I mean, Alfred, was, obviously, yeah. just in the back. He was cave. basically old Batman and Birdman, so that's yes. very true. Yep. That is very true. I didn't think about it like that. That's very cool. You obviously already have like your idea for who would play, you know, the older Bruce. Have you ever given any thought on who you'd like to see play Terry McGinnis? Well, that's interesting because it's it's like aged up, you know, like, it, you know, when the rumors of Batman Beyond first started happening in like the early, early 2000s, like there was a time where I was like, well, maybe Keanu Reeves. I don't know, because maybe he's enough of a star power. But it's interesting enough, like now I think you've got to go with like somebody who's got some energy and, and, and it's tough because the biggest thing about playing a superhero I find, especially in live action, is that you need somebody with amazing presence. It doesn't matter how good of an actor they are. Like, they've got to be able to walk into a room, and as soon as they walk into the room, your eyes are drawn to them. The only idea I have off the top of my head is I think it would be very interesting to see, um, and they might be a little bit too old, is Richard Madden from Game of Thrones. He was uh, Rob Stark. Hmm. But uh, other than that, not I don't really have a strong idea for Terry. Well, my original idea was like you need to get the the guy who it was before he was like the Superman on like the CW Supergirl. I believe his name's Tyler Hoechlin. I, I Tyler Hecklin. Hecklin. Um, that would have been my pick, but now he's you know Superman on on that show. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. It's it's tough because like you have to be very conscious about like how old do you make Terry because like you you kind of would like to cast them like somewhere around twenty five. Right. And it's interesting, but you want him to be like a great actor. So it's like, oh, okay. So no Zach Efron. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be, hey, he'd be an amazing Shazam with the, you know, facing off against Black Adams. That'd be, I think he'd be good at that. But I never want to see that movie. <laughs> uh, apparently, Mel Gibson was no good and Zach Efron's no good either. <laughs> um, just stop fan casting. I know. Down, I man. just need to quit. Cool while I'm ahead. <laughs> Let's get back to some of your other YouTube work. Um, is it fair to say that you are a YouTuber? I, I guess. Is that what you call it? I don't know. I don't know. I just. You <laughs> I mean, most of my jobs come from YouTube, so I guess you could say yes. Yeah, it just kind of came to me like that. But yeah, let's talk about your work with Screen Junkies and Honest Trailers and all the stuff that you do over there. Uh, well, I, well, I no longer work for them. No? So um, that's I, I haven't worked for them for about a year and a while. But anyways, it's been it's been over a year. But uh, um, yeah, I uh, I started I got in with Andy and the crew over there because they were looking for more work. They were looking to expand, and it was a very small group over there. And this was pre movie fights, and I actually came in on the ground floor of helping them create and develop movie fights. So, um, so like for the first 50 episodes, like I was the guy like writing the questions for movie oh, fights cool. and developing like, and booking the guests basically. Um, so, you know, I was the guy, you know, so like I was the guy that was like, Hey, maybe we should get these schmo guys over here. 
Like maybe we should ask them to be on a on a, on a show. And then if you know Mark Ellis was so funny. Mark Ellis was always my was always my ringer because like sometimes we'd have a lot of times where he would have a guest drop out, and I would always just call Mark Ellis on the phone and be like, "Can you be here tomorrow?" And he was like, "Yep." <laughs> so he'd always be my guy. Uh, but Screen Dickies was a fun atmosphere. I love working with Hal, Hal, Hal Rudnick and Nick Mundy. They were like great fun. And uh, yeah, I was basically like a jack of all trades over there. So I would write where they needed me to write. I would produce where they needed me to produce. And I would edit uh, where they needed me to edit. Like I edited several of like uh, the Honest Trailers while I was there. Very cool, man. So we'll ask just like a few more questions that you get to your day. Um, I'm sure. not going to put you on the spot, but... Of the DC uh, films that have been announced and haven't been announced, could you give us like which one you're most excited, most jazzed about of those? Wonder Woman. <sighs> yes. Good answer. Wonder Woman. No yeah. doubt, Wonder Woman. Good answer. Hundred percent. I have a Wonder Woman poster on my wall. I'm so excited for that movie. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, I just, I think Gal Gadot uh, killed it in Batman v Superman. Yes. yes. I thought she looked amazing. Uh, I thought she was great. I think that trailer looks great. I'm very excited with um, everything that Patty Jenkins has been saying about the movie, the way she's been describing it in interviews. She, it's funny, like she, 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 she directed like um, a movie that has been nominated for several Oscars, Monster, mm-hmm. and that was like ten years ago. And there is an interview of her from Monster where somebody was like, "Okay, you've made this Oscar-winning movie." If you could direct any movie in the universe, what would it be? Her answer was Wonder Woman. Oh, wow. Ten years ago, she said Wonder Woman. So, like, to me, I have so much hope for that movie because she's been wanting to make that movie for a decade. And I hope when we see that movie on screen that you can just, like, see her enthusiasm pouring out into every aspect of that movie. I am so excited for that movie. I... I, um. I'm just I'm very, very jazzed about that movie. And everything they show me from that movie, I, I love. Now, I'm very excited for Justice League, but man, the the, the fact that we're finally going to get a Wonder Woman movie is just mind-blowing to me. Yes, very much so. I love the moment in the trailer where it's almost a quick nod back to the Chris Reeve Superman where she they're like in this like back alley. And she yeah. throws up her gauntlets. It was just I was like, when I saw it, I automatically... Thought back of Superman the movie. Chris Reeve was like, oh my god, this is amazingly crazy. She said she did that on purpose, actually. She uh, um, she intentionally did that as kind of like a little nod to the actual like Superman Chris Reeve. And it, but it's funny because they reversed it, which is so great. Right. You know, so it's like now it's a woman protecting the man. Awesome. Those beach scenes in the trailer just... It, it's it looks so incredible you can really that enthusiasm that you were talking about you can just you can feel it when you see the the battle scenes on the beach it i'm i'm really pumped for that film too the mascara looks amazing in that movie. man yeah in the cast and the crew that they got behind that film it's like you can't get a better cast unless you wanted to you know revive marlon brando or something <laughs> or throw al Pacino mm-hmm. in it but the cast is amazing. The crew behind it, and knowing that Jeff Johns is is right, right like shepherding like the DC films right now, not only has like us fans jazzed up, but we know like he knows the ins and the outs of every story of every you know all these characters, and he's gonna do everything he can to give us the best filming ex- film experience that we can. So, this is the first Jeff Johns 
DC world where he's in, where he's half in charge. I, he was there for Suicide Squad, but that was shot before the whole big deal at DC Films. So I think that with this Wonder Woman film coming up, this will be our first taste of what the rest of these DC films are going to be like in the future. He also co-wrote the script. Don't forget that. Oh, yeah. that's right. So where can where can we find you on uh, on social media and give us the you know the website for the Kickstarter and all that stuff? Well, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube with the spelling at Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. It's the first two letters of all three of my names, Jason William Inman. I created it in high school, and I've kept with it, and hot damn, it's going strong. Uh, <laughs> nice. So that's the easiest place to find it. Uh, and if you think you sound excited about a girl with a jetpack, then I would head on over to jupiterjetcomic.com. That's jupiterjetcomic.com. Or just go to Kickstarter and type it in the search file. They'll be there. Uh, we have a lot of cool perks, and even just $1 in sharing the campaign really helps. And uh, we're really hoping to reach that like backup, because I really want to work with this artist that we reached out to. And he's a really cool dude, and... and um, yeah, I'm really excited to tell that additional story, like more pages of the book. Awesome. That's incredible, man. We're really glad that we could uh, have you on the show and talk some Batman and DC. It was a really good time, man. Sweet. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I, I always I feel humbled and uh, excited to do like these crazy podcasts. And I mean, hopefully in the future we get to read that uh, those, uh, those secret Jason Emman uh, comics that you've got stashed away since childhood. <laughs> And please, please, <laughs> well, please, like, uh, when I, if that ever happens, I'll have to come back on here and be like, "Remember that? Remember that thing? That was in the notebook." <laughs> please do. And we definitely want to see, see your name on the front of that Superman. We're 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 hoping we're pulling for you. Oh man, I I would love it. I would love it. Awesome. <laughs> I think I appreciate it too. Thanks, Thanks. a lot, man. I am